Our scripture reading today is from Matthew 6, verses 7 through 13. Let us stand for the reading of God's word. When you pray, do not keep talking on and on. That is what people do when they do not know God. They think they might be hurt because of their many words. Do not be like them. Your Father knows what you need even before you ask him. This is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, may your name be honored. May your kingdom come. May your will be done on earth as it is done in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our sins just as we also should forgive those who sin against us. Keep us from sinning when we are tempted. Save us from the evil one. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. One, two, oh, there. On this first Sunday uh, of Lent, I need to share with you what's really been on my heart, really through this entire year. Um, I think even as we did our restart series this past few weeks, I, I told you that it's been a deep longing as your senior pastor that each one of us might grow deeper and more intimate in our daily experience of God. Because I know it, it's so possible just to show up at church and then still God seems to be so distant. And as uh, I've been thinking about this and reflecting on it, I've become more and more convinced of such a simple, simple truth in the Bible that the key to us experiencing the presence of God in our lives is prayer. And I think that even those of us who've gone to church a lot in our lives, we still have a lot to learn about prayer. It's also really clear to me that the earliest Christians also wanted to learn more about prayer. And because there was one day, and it's recorded in Luke chapter 11, in which the disciples came to Jesus, and that was their request. They said, Lord, teach us how to pray. And I just can't imagine anybody who could teach us to pray better th than Jesus. So because of that, I've decided to take his sort of course in prayer that's found in what we call the Lord Prayer and, and just take it uh, phrase by phrase so that we might learn better. Even as I say that to you, a course in prayer, I'm just sort of struck by the fact that what Jesus did is not like any course I ever had in high school or college, and it certainly isn't like any course I ever taught when I was teaching at the university. I mean, it, it's not like he gives us this syllabus that says, here are all the requirements. You've got to complete them all or you flunk. It's not like that at all. He doesn't even tell us specifically what to pray. What we find there is he tells us how to pray. Uh, he tells us what our prayers should be like. And as such, it seems to me what he's saying is he's going to give us this, this framework or pattern that should show us the way all of our prayers should actually be. There was a bishop back about 450 years ago. His name was Hugh Latimer, and he was killed for his faith a man who had a deep personal relationship with God, he talked about this. Perhaps you've seen this quote from him. He said, Jesus' prayer, this Lord's prayer, is the sum and model for all other prayers. All other prayers are contained within it and flow from what is found in the Lord's prayer. And, and if he was right about that, and I think he was, 
then, then it seems to me that if we really learn from Jesus' prayer that it, it really holds a promise of being able to direct and even transform our prayer lives. And, and that's what I'm praying will happen, that you and I will learn to live and experience God day by day. Now, you'll know it was short, isn't it? It's short prayer. Um, and so it seems to me Jesus chose his words very, very carefully. So I've decided to try to follow his lead and, and, and just study these words very, very carefully. But even when I say that, and that it's short prayer, you know that followers of Jesus throughout the centuries have written so much about the Lord's Prayer. And I can't say it all even in the six weeks we have in this short prayer. So I'm going to give you one resource of the many, many wonderful books that are written about the Lord's Prayer. This was written by the uh, president of my own alma mater, uh, Dr. Phil Riken at Wheaton. And I found it to be so helpful, his book, When You Pray. So you might want to get that. We did have some at the book table, but you can get them online or many places. Um, so today, what we're going to consider are these words. This is how you should pray, our Father in heaven. So it becomes clear to me that what Jesus intended prayer to be is like a family conversation, uh, entering into a relationship with someone you know and respect. And so he began with our Father in heaven. So let's just think about that. Let's think about this word Father. And as I've reflected on it, I believe that when we acknowledge up front in our prayers that God is our Father and we're speaking to Him, that we're going to discover that that changes everything else about the rest of the prayer. Let me tell you why. Because uh, in the Older Testament before Jesus, um, the word Father for God was only used in the entire Old Testament 14 times. And that's like 78% of the Bible only 14 times, and in that area, when it talked about God as Father, it was not in this personal way of speaking to Him. Instead, it was more of a description of God being the Father of the nation, like the Father of Israel, or the Father of all creation, because He was the originator, the, the beginning of all things. It really wasn't until Jesus came that we have someone actually saying, when you pray, begin this way. Begin our Father as a part of your personal relationship to your Maker. Jesus alone, just in the four Gospels, called God Father 60 times. And many of those were right there in those times of prayer. Now, now most of you, I think, know that uh, the word that we find Jesus using, actually, in his prayers was that word in his own language, Abba, very uh, intimate term. And, and so afterwards, his first disciples picked that up, and we see their prayers in places like the book of Acts. They also enter into and call God Father, Abba. And then throughout the centuries, I mean, when you travel around the world, as I have, uh, when you read the prayers of, of, of great people of the faith in the past, those who follow Jesus always have picked this up from him. We learn to enter into a relationship with God as Father, and it's clear to me that, that Jesus felt like this notion of the fatherhood of God was foundational for understanding what prayer is about, so I want us to start where Jesus started. Now, I, I think we also know that the Bible says that the only eternal Son of God, 
was Jesus, you know, as Jesus would say in John 3, 16, uh, the only begotten, the eternally begotten Son of God, that very difficult concept to get. But the beautiful thing we believe when we come to church is this. When Jesus came to this world and he lived the life you and I should live and we haven't, but he loves us so much he died the death we deserve, but we don't have to because he did in our place, and he, hallelujah, is there. <laughs> that when we trust in him, what, what he does is, he makes it so that we become adopted children into the family of God. Now you find that in places like the book of Galatians. And so just like Jesus did, you and I can enter boldly into the presence of our maker in spite of anything in our pasts and know him as our father. Now what, what difference does that make? There are many differences, but there are two things that just jump out at me. One of them is intimacy, and the other one, and I think this fits with Chinese New Year, that when I heard uh, Jenny and, and Anthony say to us, it, it shows respect or a bit of reverence. The intimacy is this. Um, when you enter into prayer, you've got to know that God cares about you. He loves you more than you love yourself or that you could care about yourself. You don't have to beg God to love you or to love other people. He already does. And when that's true, you can just pour out your heart to him. Uh, I think Jesus knew that many, many other religions, and almost every religion has prayer, but many, many of the religions seem to treat prayer almost as a way to try to get the deity, you know, the, the impersonal force, the forces with you out there to do what, what, what you want it to do. And, and Jesus had experienced that. And that's why in verse 7, he will say, don't pray like those who don't know God. They just use a lot of words. And those lot of words can be sometimes the same word over and over again to try to manipulate God. Om, om. Or, or, or it could be just saying many words. If I pile on more, maybe he'll get tired of me and have to do what I want, I'm asking him to do. Sometimes we start to get this idea that if we're more and more emotional in our prayers, maybe God will have to hear it and actually care and love. But Jesus said, no, no, no. Enter into the relationship knowing that God already knows you. Those beautiful words in verse 8 before his, his prayer. Don't be like those who don't know God. Your Father knows what you need even before you ask him. So I've got to say this. I've been in church a lot, as, as you can imagine, right? <laughs> and I know that we are tempted to think that if I can just pile on more and more prayers, get a more bulk quantity of prayers, maybe find just the right words, kind of like a magical incantation, which other religions might have, maybe God will have to love me and care about me. And Jesus says, no, no, no. When you begin, begin by knowing that you're speaking to your Father, the one who already knows you, the one who already loves you. So intimacy, and the other point I thought of is reverence. And the way the first three requests that he gives all have to do with who God is and his glory. So he says, honor God's name first. Seek his kingdom first. Desire his will. Boy, there's a hard one. First, rather than your own. That's where it begins. So I've thought so many times when we pray, the main thing, we, we want to get to those things that we want to ask, to ask God to do. We want him to do um, our will. But here we see it, that the Lord's Prayer is not so much a prayer about getting God uh, to give us what we want. It, it, it just begins by 
entering into God's presence, knowing that he is God, and asking him to shape our wills to become more like what he wants and what he desires. I'll tell you, I don't know, at least for me, that's not easy. Is this easy for you? You're not responding to me at all here. This is not easy for you. We, we want what we want, right? It is hard for us to surrender our wills to anybody else, even, even God. By nature, we just want our own way. So, so here I've got to say something about the way Jesus used this word, Abba. A lot of people talked about that. And they pointed out rightly that Abba would have been the, the word in Jesus' country and in his language for a little child to speak to uh, the father, like daddy. And that, that is true. But it's not only that. Now, Abba was also the word that would be used for an adult to speak to a father. I, I think this was the word that Jesus used even for his uh, earthly father, Joseph, when they were there in the carpenter shop. I think he spoke to him as Abba. So I pulled back and I just thought about this for a good while. I, I had a good father. Some of you met him. He used to sit right down here on this front row with me. He came to faith later in his life and it was wonderful. When I, when I was a little child, I called my father dad. And, and so it was the expression of, of a little child of intimacy, but you know, when, when my, I got older and my father became older and, and some of you prayed with me as he was just about to, to, to lose his life a couple of years ago, do you know what I called my father then? I called him dad. I, I thought about the difference though, the difference in calling him dad as a little child, the intimacy was there. But as I watched my father growing in his own life, in his own maturity, uh, you know, becoming more the, the older that he got to be, my respect for him also grew. And I think that's what we see here, what Jesus is teaching. Uh, we enter into this relationship as, as children who depend upon our maker. And we enter in with intimacy, but that the, the more we know him, the more we learn to respect him. I know that's becoming true of my life. I pray it is. And I think all of us have this longing for the God who made us and in whose image we made to be this kind of Abba. I, I think we feel it profoundly when we're threatened in this world, when we feel anxiety. I think Jesus knew that all of us in this hard and imperfect world would have times in which we long for someone who actually has the authority to do something, to be there who really cares. Who sort of comes around us, puts his arm around us, and says, I know. Uh, even though we may have to say, then why are you letting this happen? And we're going to come back to this later in this prayer. He, he takes up some of that as well. But at this point, who says, I'm greater than that thing you are facing. I know I will not abandon you. I will be there with you in the midst of this matter. I think we have a longing that when we cry out to God in prayer, that there's actually an ear to hear us and a voice ready to speak back to us. And what Jesus is saying, you said, he's saying, that's who God is. So here we are, we live in this world of shootings of children in schools, this world of sickness, of all sorts of battles, of our ongoing failures, and here we show up at church, and Jesus essentially is saying, listen to me, everything you fret about is something my father and your father knows about. And he's basically, I, I feel like he's saying, 
If this were not true, he wouldn't have sent me here to you. I'm here because God knows where you are and where you've fallen short yourself, and he knows what he wants to do in your life and in this world. He sent me for that reason. If you can't really trust him, learn to look at me. He said that. If you've seen me, you have seen what the Father is like, and I will lay down my life for you. So Jesus uh, tells us to know God is that kind of Father. Um, let's, let's think about this second thing. Not just Father, but our Father. Our Father. Okay, the ourness. What do you think of that word? The ourness of Jesus' prayer just shouts out to us, doesn't it? He, he says, give us. Forgive us. Lead us not into temptation. So that he's calling us together in this hard world so that we'll pray with and for one another. So think about it. Those who have prayed this prayer since Jesus first taught it and those who continue to pray it are very different kinds of people, right? I mean, people that when he's done, it's going to be people from every tribe, language, and nation. Young and old, rich and poor, all ethnicities, all races. Here at Lake Avenue Church, we just rejoice that God has put us in a community here in the San Gabriel Valley where pretty much people from every tribe, language, and nation move here. And more and more, we, we see God bringing to the life of our church so many different kinds of people. We celebrate that and all the differences of the, of the people that God has created. That, that's why we, we take time to celebrate Chinese New Year because when a few of us are really celebrating, all of us celebrate. When a few rejoice, we all rejoice. When, when, when some of us mourn, we all mourn. So we celebrate those differences. But we all know that cutting across all of those differences is that when we gather here in the name of Jesus, we're a part of one family fellowship. So let me just say it clearly to you today. We are all children of our Father in heaven through faith in the Lord Jesus. So Jesus calls us together in this world and plants local gatherings of his family for many reasons, for many reasons. But one of the main reasons is this, that in those really, really tough times, we are here to pray with and for one another. We've got to learn to do that better, brothers and sisters. We, we've got to learn to do that better. What, what do we pray for? Well, that's, we'll have three weeks about that, but I'll, I'll just show it to you. We pray for daily provision. Give us today our daily bread so that when we have some folks in our church that don't have a place to sleep or enough food to eat or going through physical difficulties and wondering if there will be healing, we, we've, got to, we've got to pray for one another and, and make sure they know that they don't walk alone because family's going to walk together with you. And I've got to tell you this too, when you pray that God will provide the needs of somebody else, I, I, you may not want to pray it, but you, you should pray it, Jesus told you. But when you pray it, often we're the ones through whom God does his providing. Have you noticed that? When you begin to pray, your heart opens to the one for whom you're praying. So for daily provision, for daily pardon, forgive us our sins. So you see, a, a church family in Christ can't have any pretenses. We can't pretend that people out there need forgiveness more than we do or anybody else in church. That person's really messed up. Forgive his or her sins. <laughs> it, there is an us-ness about this. Forgive us our sins. We try to hide these things. Put on our best clothes. I put on my own red tie on this Chinese New 
as we can. We try to pretend, and deep down inside, we all we know that every one of us here, we are mercy-needing people. Yes, when we come to Christ, He forgives us our sins, and He promises us He will remake us completely. But we're in this in-between time where we got to pray, forgive us our sins. And then he tags this part on, as we forgive those who sin against us. Why did you have to say that, Jesus? <laughs> and it's almost as if, it's almost as if he says, I don't think they're going to be listening to me. So in verses 14 to 15, he adds this. I'll show it to you. Uh, forgive other people when they sin against you. If you do... Your Father who is in heaven will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive the sins of other people, your Father will not forgive your sins. You like that part? There's going to be a whole sermon on this. You might not want to show up for that. So what he's saying is this. When you and I have experienced the forgiveness and the acceptance of God, one of the surest ways that we've known that we've experienced the forgiveness of God is that we'll forgive other people. We, we, won't, we won't think that they can't be forgiven, that we're better because we've had to receive it. So that means that a church where Jesus is the Lord, we have to be a humble people. We must be a grace-filled people a mercy, forgiveness, offering people. We pray, forgive us our sins, and we pray, we pray for daily protection. Lead us not into temptation. Deliver us from evil, both from the getting into those places of temptation as well as from all of the ravages that come because of the evil one and because of the systems in this world like we've been reading about in Broward County, Florida. So do you see what's happening here? Jesus, when he taught us to pray, he says, I'll bring you together so that you'll pray with the entire family. And now, it's amazing to me, I don't know what you think of rises in technology and, uh, and, and social media, but we have the opportunity actually to communicate to one another prayer needs as we never could. I think it's one of the greatest blessings that, that we have through this. You can send a social media note, you can even send a text, and tell a friend, you know, I, I really have this need. This is going on. Will you pray? I've even heard that some people here at Lake still use a telephone. Is, is that true other than for texting occasionally? You can use that as well and pass on those prayer needs. Maybe even as I'm speaking, you think of somebody that you know is going through a time of tremendous temptation. Maybe within your own family where they've often failed. Pray for them. Uh, maybe somebody that you know is going through a real trial a difficulty physically or in some other way, even take, now you can quit listening to me and just pray, offer a prayer to God for them. He brings us together uh, to be a people who pray with and for one another. We pray, our Father. And then just the last thing, we pray our Father in heaven. And, and here I just have to say to you that when we talk about God as Father, He's not the same as earthly fathers. He's the blueprint of what, what fathers are supposed to be. So here, I've been thinking about this all week, so you've got to tune in with me. Uh, I, I can't preach a sermon like this in 21st century Southern California without recognizing that whenever I say you should look to God as our Father, without knowing there are really some difficult matters that come up because of this. 
one of them, and so many of you have shared it with me. I've prayed with you about it, wept with you about it, is the difficulties that you've had with your own father. Having experienced abuse, abandonment by your father, harassment, shaming by your father, and how difficult it is to sit up through a whole sermon hearing the, the pastor say, call God Father. And we have to acknowledge also that, that has what has been resounding, and I've talked about it a number of times in the last few months, just ringing through our entire society, is, are these stories of where men have gotten into places of authority and power, that that authority and power have been abused to, to, to harass and to harm those who are under their authority. For me to get up here and preach this sermon without acknowledging that up front would be absolute negligence. I would not be a pastor who loves you at all. So let me try to explain to you why I preach it the way that Jesus taught it. Uh, he, when Jesus says to pray our Father, he is not saying that he expects us always to relate to God as we do to our biological fathers. There are two words in his prayer that make that so clear. There are these words, in heaven. Our Father in heaven that God, our maker, alone is the perfect father and alone really is the father before whom all of us in this church family bow our knee together and call him our father. Um, he's the one from whom we derive our name. He's the one about whom we can say, I'm no longer a slave to fear because I'm a child of God. And Jesus made this even clearer a little bit later in Matthew 23, verse 9, when he said, call no one on uh, father on earth, for you together have one father, the one in heaven. By that, he's not saying that we shouldn't call our biological father's father. I'm sure he did that with his own. What he is talking about is what he really means here in this prayer, that there is only one who is perfect, and we have come to meet him, and together we call him father. God alone shows us what fatherhood should be about. I've thought about this all week. This is biblical theology, that when sin entered in uh, to this world, it affected all of us and every part of all of us. We are made in God's image, but there's no part of us that is fully all that it should be. And I'm telling you, that's true of me as your pastor too. I mean, when I put my life up next to Jesus, because I'm made in the image of God, and the Bible says he is the image of God, I put my life up next to him as the blueprint, and I'll tell you, every part of me just seems to be so out of kilter. Do you know what I'm talking about when I say that? So when I say that, that's true of every part of our lives, and that includes parenting and fathering. I look at my own life, and I want to grow. I see him as, as the model of what a parent should be like, and I want to grow in my role a, as a father, but I'm not there yet. And so every human father falls short, and some to an enormous, enormous degree. But when we come to Christ and we seek to grow to become conformed to God's image, we begin that process of becoming more. And I'll tell you, every father, and I, I think I would include every mother and child too, we have a lot of growing to do. And for some, there just needs to be a lot of repentance and remaking. So we shouldn't be surprised when people in general, even churchgoers, and fathers in particular, fall short of the glory of God. 
So I, I wrote this down. I, I was thinking, how do I say it? I think that what you long for in a relationship to a father is that he will love and care for you, that he will be one who is ready to forgive you, who will never give up on you, and will never leave you. And what Jesus is saying is, you may not find that here, but this is the relationship you enter into when you come alive to God through faith in the Lord Jesus. So I, I, I wondered, it may be if you're one of the, the many here who have a challenging relationship to your father, you may have a deeper longing than others for the kind of father your father in heaven is. It, it may therefore be that you'll be even more grateful when you actually meet him and see what he's like. Your grateful experience will be that God will not abuse you, but bless you. He will never shame you, but show you grace. He will never abandon you, but be with you always. He will never even be taken from you by sickness and death in this world, for he is greater than those things. And he loves you with an everlasting love. And there is nothing that can separate you from the love of God, your Father, that comes through faith in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen. So what we are doing when we actually sing these songs as we have today and fall before God as our Abba in heaven, we're saying our ultimate allegiance is to you and you alone. Our identity really is in you, even more than in our biological families, far more than in our national uh, citizenship. We have a, a different king, a different kind of father. And so because of that, when we gather here, we look around us and see all sorts of different people. And we know one another as brother and sister, even when we've never met before. So Jesus taught us that's where prayer begins, with our Father in heaven. So the main thing in prayer is not that we find some way to get God to give us what we want him to give us, but we find instead that he gives us the thing we most long for, a personal relationship to him. We, we come to him through faith in Jesus, and we discovered that this holy God, when we're not, this creator, unlimited maker of the universe, and we are very limited, is our Father in heaven. And it will be, I pray, to his glory. Amen. Amen. Let, let me lead us in prayer. our Father in heaven. I, as your child, pray that with all this time that you've given me, with so many here, I pray I've been faithful to your word. You know the pain that fills this world. You know what has happened in Broward County, Florida. You know what has happened in our homes and in our workplaces, in our physical beings all this week. And Father, we read in your word, tells us that you care about these things. 
Sometimes we agonize and say, how long until you change things and bring about your kingdom? Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We pray for it now. And you tell us to trust you and to grow until, until you finish that work. Father, we tell you we trust you now. So I pray, Father, that if there are any here today who've never really known you in this personal way, that today would be their day of coming alive to you, knowing you as their Father in heaven. For those of us who have come to church so often and still live each day of our lives as if you're not even there or present, Father, deepen, deepen our walk with you. May we daily stop and acknowledge your presence and remember and bask in the fact that you are our Father in heaven, and we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.